to be having this conversation it's um, one that's really really important and i think a very universally uh, recognized uh, important topic and that is women and confidence why, what's the struggle why can't women feel more confident or what are the systemic and internal barriers that are probably preventing this um and we're also going to talk about uh, imposter syndrome which is something that comes up a lot when dealing with this issue uh, apart from of course uh, more in depth causes and also when we talk about um, some of the things that we can do to change this relationship that we have right now uh, we're going to touch upon something called shine theory uh, and that's actually the core of why we're doing the session today with uh, a panel uh, because we believe that some of our, our best work comes when we work in solidarity um so yeah and um, support other women so uh, thank you so much and let's uh, begin by introducing our panelists uh, so we have Asan Saloni here from Reboot Wellness and Sneha from uh, the psychology nook so i'll begin with uh, reboot so reboot is Uh, a, a network of therapists and psychologists from gurgaon they stand for inclusivity happiness and growth and the ethos and reboot stems from empathy and compassion they work towards changing the prejudiced narratives around the world words mental health and make it an inclusive uh, sorry make it all inclusive and focus on holistic well-being through conversations community and camaraderie reboot is weaving a mat for all of us to stand on So to begin with, uh, I'd like to introduce Astha. Astha Aluwalia is the chief psychologist and therapist, and is a partner at Reboot Wellness. She is a dynamic psychologist with multidisciplinary skills for addressing mental health concerns. She is an advocate of emotional and mental well-being. She has over 12 years of experience and has worked with women clients dealing with and managing PCOS, PMDD, and she understands the need to destigmatize women's health and view it from a holistic perspective. So thank you so much for being on our panel today, Asta. Thank you, Rashi. It's always a pleasure to come here and talk with all of you. So thank you for having me, and um, I look forward to a very, very interesting discussion ahead. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, also introducing Saloni Mira Chaudhary, who is a counseling psychologist at Reboot Wellness, and she works with young adults and couples to help them with deal with a wide range of emotional, psychological, and social well-being concerns. is an ardent advocate of emotional intelligence and believes in an eclectic and holistic approach to therapy. She regularly works with women clients with emotional and mental health concerns related to sexual and reproductive health. Um and uh, so so thank you so much uh Saloni for being here with us today and we're really excited to have both of you here on board. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And uh last but not least we have uh, Sneha Neha is from the psychology nook she's from Pune and she's a certified counselor she's done her masters in clinical psychology from the department of psychology pune university she's completed her postgrad diploma in counseling from maharashtra institute of mental health and sasoon general hospital pune and she's also a visual art therapy facilitator so thank you so much neha for being with us today all three of you are such an important uh, part of the network that proactive has been lucky enough to work with Thank you, Rashi. Uh, also, sorry, I keep forgetting this, so I have to remind myself to do this. We are proactive. I'm Rashi, and uh, we work with women and sexual and reproductive health concerns uh, that they may have. But obviously, it's impossible to look at sexual and he- reproductive health concerns in uh, in isolation, and that's why we have all kinds of these very varied topics. 
So, okay, let's begin. Uh, let's uh, start with, you know, the first and most important question, which is, um, you know, women and low confidence. Is it inherent? Is it learned? Or, and where does it manifest the most? Uh, so for this uh, uh, question, I would like to direct the question first to Saloni, and then of course others. Right. So, um, you know, first of all, when we talk about confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, they're all very self-evaluative emotions, which means that they're based on my evaluation of myself, right? And it's it works as a feedback loop because what I think about myself is coming from others, right? So when we when we make a sweeping statement like women have low confidence, women have low confidence or low self-esteem, it can have a consequence, right? It's not inherent, um, right? It's not inherent all the time. So it starts from the very developmental stage, if you ask me, uh, the first three, four years of a child, their first interaction with their primary caregivers and the fundamental gender bias starts right then, right? The difference between girls and boys and how a child feels about herself, a, a girl feels about herself, uh, whether she feels confident, high self-esteem, pride or shame depends on that interaction, right? The attachment that she develops. Um, add to that, follow it up with the social um, disadvantage that comes with adolescence and adulthood. Um, everywhere through centuries, we have seen that women are not allowed to have rights, get education or um, not go for jobs. Even doctoral degrees were not given to women for the longest time, even if they completed the PhDs, right? Just because they were women, even if they were brilliant. Right. And this leads to a kind of learned helplessness and learned hopelessness that goes, that becomes intergenerational, right? Our mothers pass it on to the next generation through advice and through guidance that, you know, this is, this is the way this happens and this is the way that happens. So um, it's not at all inherent. Women are not born uh, with low self-esteem or low confidence, right? It's, it's how we receive information from our, from our peers and from our, um, parents and another another thing that I said earlier also that this um, this narrative is only one sided like we can't say like this this happens to a huge chunk of women but not everybody right so the confidence de debate is also hugely misunderstood in a way when we say that um, this woman or this person appears less confident we are talking about the appearance right they could be um, they could be appearing less confident but they may be confident inside psychologically in the mind right but they're not able to show it through their words through their actions through their behavior because of a fear of backlash or because of a fear of a consequence and you asked where it manifests it manifests in relationships it can manifest in a professional work environment right so um, when we say that um, you know, women uh, don't don't assert themselves. They don't talk about their uh, achievements. Um, actually, there they may be fear and not a lack of self-esteem or confidence. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, actually, that makes so much sense that when you say that it's learned, and uh, I mean it, kind of also what you said about women who may not seem supremely confident, but maybe they are kind of almost like that squeaky wheel gets the uh, makes you know gets all the attention and sometimes people uh, women are always told don't be loud don't uh, attract a lot of attention and then they right. miss out on it yeah right. uh, Sneha, right. any additional comments 
Uh, yeah, I agree with Salone. It's something you can't say it's inherent. It's something that's learned. And like she said, it is passed on from generation to generation. And it's mainly because of those really set stereotypes that are in society. Like that is basically the uh, unofficial rules that society has sort of placed on our gender that, you know, there, there are some things that are okay for you to do and okay for you not to do. And that reflects also then ultimately in our careers and maybe our career choices also. So I completely agree with what Savini said. I'd also like to add a little bit to, I mean, what Sneha and Saloni have said that how uh, confidence is so, um, it's so deeply conditioned. You know, there are a lot of studies that have been done about stereotyping and uh, gender stereotypes and how that impacts us and, you know, all of that. The very fact that we're sitting over here talking about, or we see the need, we feel the need to talk about women confidence and it's not supposed, it's not a normal thing to have or you know like there is almost a lack uh, you know lack here for you know for a person to realize that oh we need to talk about this that in itself shows where we stand when it comes to women confidence and how it is all of this is a you know is a learned uh, behavior or a learned space you know, there are uh, from there is this very interesting there is series of uh, studies which have been done by this uh, Harvard uh, Business School professor called Catherine Kaufman, and she you know she uh, she researched a lot uh, on the impact of gender stereotypes on women at workplaces, and what she found was that you know for a woman and it was quite interesting when I was reading it that uh, women are far more conservative in you know, evaluating and like what Saloni was saying that it's all, a, it's all self-evaluation, right? So women are far more conservative while evaluating themselves. So they're more likely to just shrug off a praise or a compliment that they might get at a workplace and, you know, will probably lowball the, uh, the uh, you know, the abilities that they have and they possess and not give it, you know, enough importance. And this happens because the gender stereotypes that we live in, the learnt uh, conditions that we have all been exposed to over over these generations, what it does is that is it distorts our uh, our ways of thinking, it distorts our views about our own selves and about others around us. So, I am at a very very deep level conditioned to believe that um, uh, a person with a male genitalia is probably more uh, you know or is supposed to be more. Uh, confident than I am, and I, uh, with a female genitalia, I'm not supposed to be that confident. The problem, you know, the, probably the word confidence is not really spoken out loud. What is, what is told, uh, you know, what is given to us are restrictions. Of course, they're very cultural, but uh, you know, even if you look at it uh, globally and universally, th these are, uh, you know, these are just very basic stereotypes that start, like what Saloni said earlier, that start from a very very young age, and they just keep multiplying and get transferred on to our adulthood because that's what shapes our adult relationships they form the norm of the you know of the society and we we respond to that and it it distorts our way of uh, evaluation it distorts our way of uh, you know looking at our own selves and our own thought process completely completely agree uh, so i've actually shared a poll on the bottom of this call and if everyone could just, yeah. So the first question is super relevant for now. And then maybe at the end, we'll uh, talk about the second one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of 
going at like a, some people are at eight, some are at six. Mostly the highest number is at six and five and seven. Uh, so we're gonna come back to this at the end of the you know webinar. Uh, moving on, you know, like since we've spoken about okay, what are the inherent causes, but how big a role does low morale and the lack of self-esteem impact women's employability or their performance at work? And also, if we could talk a little bit about staying and returning to the workforce, because, you know, I've, uh, over time when we speak to women uh, when uh, they've just had given birth and, or, you know, they got married, they've taken a bit of a break. There's a huge, it's not always physical inability to go back to work, but a certain, um, you know, others kind of struggle. So we'd love to discuss that. And uh, yeah, Asta, if you could take the lead on this. Sure. Um, so I completely, um, you know, uh, agree, Rashi, with the question that you've asked that how, does, does low morale and, uh, you know, the lack of self-esteem impact us when we are coming out to work? Yes. See, we need to understand that confidence is what turns our thoughts into actions. Confidence is a feeling. Confidence is also a thought. It is a thought because if I believe that I am good enough, I also believe that I have some value to add to the organization that I'm going to go into. I will bring with me some, uh, you know, some abilities, some skills. I will bring with me uh, some, uh, you know, some value. So I'm already evaluating my own self at a certain level and I'm, I'm accepting of my own evaluation. And hence, my ability to deliver at work also increases because I, I know that this is what I'm taking with me, right? And uh, it also encourages me to take, uh, you know, it makes it easier for me to take action, to, you know, apply my skills to my work and even, you know, put my point across when I need to because that belief is there, right? At a, as a feeling, you know, how, how do we feel confidence? As a feeling, confidence is, you know, it's, it, it ignites passion, it ignites excitement within us. It ignites this, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like a phys uh, somatic physiological feeling that yes, I am, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm worthy of something, I'm doing something. So the role of confidence is extremely important when it comes to, uh, you know, um, when it comes to actually going out and working and especially for women who've taken a maternal uh, break, uh, you know, a maternity break uh, with their children. Now, during that maternity break, a lot has happened. You have had excessive, uh, uh, you know, distress because there's physiological distress that you're experiencing as a mother. Uh, you've just delivered. On top of that, you're getting used to, uh, you know, taking care of a baby. That's an added responsibility. Now, uh, uh, you know, at uh, now that's this is what is happening physically at a social psychosocial level. You are also being told that this is your primary responsibility, right? Now, taking care of your baby and taking care of the house and ensuring that your child is safe and secure is first your responsibility and then anybody else's now that added pressure is also there when you're going to you know going back into uh, the workforce and that is that is where the struggle begins that first the first question is am i am i do and a lot of women have asked me this is it a good decision is it a good decision to go back to working after you know having uh, having had a baby and my baby is 6 months old or my baby is a year old should i go back or when should i go back and it's such a difficult question to answer because there's so many so many factors that that play out there and also uh, you know it impacts the way the, the way a woman looks at herself uh, the way a woman evaluates herself 
and the funny part is that you know it's believed that once you've had a baby you physiologically mentally psychologically and emotionally you become much more stronger so your capabilities have increased you become much more stronger you are you know uh, and i think there's this um, i heard this in this movie also um, mary com um when you know when she's when she's had her uh, kid and she's training she starts training again and her trainer tells her that uh, and she's asked the same question to her trainer that can i go back to uh, you know uh, you know like the kind of fitness that i was he's like of course your body is stronger now because you've just had a baby you, you know your body's endured so much so um, a lot of this gets missed uh, sort of misplaced and misread because we don't look at it you know we don't look at it from a lens of confidence we don't look, and uh, it begins to impact our inner voice it begins to impact uh, you know how we evaluate ourselves and that inner critique becomes more and more judgmental more and more questioning more and more cautious uh, you know about um, what what there is to you know achieve in the future and um, then you hear things like oh you know uh, you probably don't know and that's when you know the seed of imposter syndrome is sown that you probably don't know as much as the other person you are you know you're just a fraud you are too old for this or you are too young for this or you know uh, you are not as dedicated as uh, you know an unmarried male in your team you know things like this they they start to you know sow the seeds of uh, confidence i'm uh, sorry lack of confidence imposter feeling like an imposter and not being able to actually uh, believe in your own self yeah you won't feel like you belong there because everyone and uh society movies culture everyone is saying that you don't so Absolutely. it's impossible to feel yeah. and uh could uh, could actually sorry as well your body is common no no go ahead sir hello okay actually i want i was i would love to hear from sneha or saloni uh, you know apart from women who are uh, necessarily going back to the workspace uh, you know what about perhaps women with disability people with uh, from the lgbt commun- community uh, how does low confidence impact them at the workplace if you have any thoughts on this yeah so the thing is that they're already like this community um is already seen as different you know like there's always like an us and them sort of uh thing going on over here right so that already impacts their their confidence because they don't feel included if the workplace or the people around you aren't inclusive of you and your identity and where you come from right and also over that if you are you know part of the smaller population of you know if if you are probably the only one that represents that one community right then there's no support right there's there's a lack of moral support also in that particular workplace or in that particular institution that you might be in right the same goes for people with disabilities there are people that the thing is that i think in most of our webinars we come back to the topic of education right people just don't know about a certain community and that is why they are they're looked at as different the word different is exactly what impacts and that sort of sets the tone for how people will act with them right 
and if you are treated like an outsider and you're treated as if you know you are not one of them then you are going to sort of go back into your shell you're going to probably stick to the sidelines you know not participate as much because you don't want attention drawn to you naturally because there's already attention that is drawn to you but that's not the attention that you would you're comfortable with right so it sort of snowballs into all of that and i feel like that's what impacts the self esteem and the self confidence of a person that's from a different community right and as i think as sneha said that the low morale or the low self esteem is not inherent but it's like an outcome of the environmental treatment right so that low morale is actually directed towards that treatment and not coming from a space of self doubt right and i think i was when i was reading about imposter syndrome i also found out that it's more prevalent amongst minorities not just women although women is also a kind of minority in india in certain states certain cities uh, in certain organizations but it is also more prevalent amongst minorities so as you mentioned lgbtq communities or a community or disabled people and when we talk about this confidence gap so many researchers say that it's a myth right uh, when we when we google low self esteem and women will get probably a 120 million uh, hits and I actually saw how many hits it gave me that much which means that a lot of people are googling that and that is why so many people are writing about it which means that we have tagged women as inherently or minorities as inherently having low self esteem or low confidence what actually is happening is that the appearance of self confidence is not equally rewarded for the majority and the minority or for men and women right women have to temper it with more socially desirable traits a lot of times full fledged confidence will not be rewarded equally so women a lot of times you ask about workplace they will not promote themselves they will not highlight things that they have done well for themselves uh, probably they will not assert themselves very confidently they will always have to temper it with you know more gentleness and they are supposed to be a certain way right uh, so if they if they come across as too confident then they receive that backlash if they appear too gentle then you know their their achievements are not recognized and uh, this kind of a confusion leads to low morale because then women end up feeling that what am i supposed to do really am i supposed to be confident show assert myself or not right so the low morale comes from there i feel i because i've also spoken to so many women who feel like this uh, that there's this confusion that leads to this particular uh you know uh low low morale or low self esteem it's almost also, like so much sorry no, no, yeah. yeah 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 go ahead no i was just saying that it's probably also just the mixed messaging that's actually confusing yeah. people and throwing them off their balance because if they pick something like there are women who are more confident and they're okay with being more sort of assertive but then yeah then help hold them back uh, right. no please go ahead actually yeah yeah i had almost completed uh, that was yeah so um, uh, i was just concluding that it's actually the fear of what the reaction would be than um low self esteem or confidence that stops women from asserting themselves yeah 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 so i mean we're we're, we're really close to the we're almost there at the topic of the imposter syndrome so i think uh, you know before we actually get into uh, breaking it down i would love to know what are some of the telltale symptoms and i've also shared uh, an article written by the psychology nook about it and uh, before i uh, you know hand over the mic to 
uh, Sneha, when she talks about this, I just want to share that, you know, in the morning we did like a little thing on Instagram where we put up a whole bunch of these terms that women uh, use very often. And uh, 97% of the women that uh, responded, they were like, yes, I have, you know, I have said these before. And they're things like, oh, I got lucky. I made it up as I was going. Um, I think, I guess they're just being nice. They don't know actually what is true for me. And I had a lot of help. Um, so yeah, so of course, uh, Sneha would love to hear from you. What are some of the telltale symptoms of imposter syndrome? Yeah, so uh, the imposter syndrome, first of all, it's not a diagnosis. Like it's not a disorder, it's not a diagnosis, it's, it's a syndrome, right? So what happens in this, uh, in, in this is that people are most likely to label themselves as fake or a fraud. Like for example, if someone uh, wins something or they, they succeed at something, right? They automatically feel like they don't deserve this and there's probably someone that's going to be way better than them and that person deserves it, right? So it's basically that feeling of self-doubt or um, sort of beating yourself up about the fact that you've won something or you've achieved something because you genuinely don't feel like you have deserved it, right? So, and then this can come in the form of guilt also. It can be self-criticism also. Like uh, it could be minimizing that achievement that you have actually accomplished. So even if you you get a promotion, it you could be self-criticizing in a way saying that it took you two whole years to get this promotion. You should have gotten it in one year, you know? So it's, it sort of backfires on you. And um, what happens is that then they sometimes, they attribute this success to not like hard work or skill or anything. They, they, they um, attribute the success to complete luck. Like they feel like they just got lucky, you know? Uh, they were at the right place at the right time and that's why they got it. nothing else. So then that basically um, turns into a number of maladaptive behaviors, right? And then also maladaptive ways of thinking. So you start sort of, down, you start spiraling in a downward manner, right? So in that, then there are unrealistic goals, there are unrealistic expectations, unrealistic deadlines. You know, you've seen the term, uh, you, we've all seen the term workaholic, right? A workaholic is someone that just keeps pushing themselves to work harder and harder and harder. And there are all these unrealistic deadlines and they completely forget the balance that they're supposed to have because they're just so focused on achieving something and, you know, proving that they're worth it. So that's basically what happens with an imposter syndrome, that they just don't deserve, they don't feel like they deserve that success when they actually do. So yeah. Sorry, I was on mute. I think I just had like this aha moment when you were talking. I think a lot of women uh, would probably relate to this. And, um, you know, I would love to know what uh, Saloni and Asa have to say about this. And also, if we could uh, shed a little bit of light on like why uh, why does it affect women? I mean, I mean, I know we've talked about this, but yeah. um, if they have anything else to add to why why are we like so prone to pushing ourselves so much more? Yeah, I think uh, research also says that women experience it more than men, and I think it's also because of the various roles that women play right in their lives, and they are supposed to be 
presence at so many places, right? There are so many roles as a homemaker or mother or daughter-in-law and even a professional. And while you're switching between all these roles, you ought to feel that you're not good enough in one of them, right? Um, I was actually watching this um, interview by Rani Mukherjee some months ago and she had just, I think, joined back acting after her delivery and she said that for a moment I felt I couldn't act and I felt so surprised, a mixture of surprise and shock that she could feel that she couldn't act. She's been acting for years and years and just a year's break could make her feel like that, like an imposter in her own home ground, her own field. And uh, it made me realize that since, as I said, women are shuffling between all these roles, you have to get out of one to, you know, take care of the other. And that can also make you feel like, you know, too much catching up has to happen after that. Yeah, there was this, uh, another syndrome that, I mean, if we had time, we would love to cover as well, but it's called superwoman syndrome, where people just feel like, oh, I have to do it all. I have to be the perfect wife partner, boss, employee, parent, everything. And I mean, it's impossible to hold yourself up to such standards and then uh, be that much harder on yourself to like when you fail. Um, Asa, what do you feel about this? Most definitely, you know, the, the subtleties from the environment that we get are so, um, I mean, it's, it's subtle, but it's there. You know, my entire life, uh, I have heard this uh, written behind autos and buses, beti bachao, beti padhao thing, you know. I, I mean, come on, we're in the 21st century, 2020, there's AI, there's this, there's that going on, but we are still stuck there. And that's where, and you know, I think uh, Sneha at the beginning uh, made a very interesting uh, point and said that it all begins with education. From the word go, the differences are... Uh, you know, are made so uh, prominent, whether it's a woman or even if, uh, if you talk about minority uh, communities, uh, which are not accepted, because it's, you know, it's like the norm of the of the world is is laid out. And this is how we're supposed to be. And then when it comes to, you know, questions like self esteem, and having confidence in one's own self, which is essentially an identity issue, right? Uh, your self esteem is is an extension of your identity and how you view yourself. And it is, it is essential that you give yourself a personal, uh, you know, validation and allow yourself to experience life. But you find it very difficult to do that because, well, the cues from your environment don't, you know, they make you doubt yourself every, every step of the way. And the doubt is so deeply sown that adapting to that imposter, uh, you know, uh, feeling is very, it is very natural. And it's, 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 funny that we have names for these feelings as well so that means they're so prominent and so prevalent right yeah. and I think it all comes from it begins with the way we view ourselves as a part of a you know of a bigger world uh, what it means to be a woman in this whether we're wearing pants or whatever right irrespective of that it doesn't matter how we view ourselves as a woman is where it all starts and that that idea has developed that inner voice has developed uh with a lot of cultural, uh, you know, uh, subconscious influencing it, a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, the society and what that has to say about who we are and, you know, what we are. Yeah, I think, I think one of the reasons why we're going over this point uh, so expressly is because we want women to know that this is really common and it's not your fault. This is literally structural. 
from before you were born so i mean i hope i i don't know if uh, the women listening to this are feeling this but i definitely am feeling this that oh i thought i was super special about feeling all these things and they were only relevant to me but they were probably uh not um you know so when we move to the next most important question which is okay we figured out that it's systemic we've figured out that it's structural there's it's much bigger than many of us um when trying to overcome these feelings what advice would you give women and uh, i know that all of, like all three of the, the reason we wanted to have you guys on board for this conversation is because the psychologists you talk to women and you hear uh you know people sharing the 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 fact that i mean I, i guess when you're looking at it at a macro level it's easier for you to see that yeah this is this is affecting a lot of people we'd love to know uh what advice would you have for women uh, feeling this and we'll begin with saloni and then of course ask her and say ha right <clears throat> rashi as you said that um, you're not the only one i think we all on the panel also must have experienced it i can speak for myself i have experienced it myself at some point or the other in my career and it's important to understand that women don't need to take individual control of the situation it's not like it's a character flaw or a personality flaw or an internal conflict it's a very it's very much external and societal right so i was reading somewhere recently uh, that imposter syndrome is not merely a synonym of low confidence it's the logical outcome of a world that has ne- was never designed for women to be successful right and it just struck me so hard that you know this world is not designed for women to be successful and we are ought to feel out of place right and uh, so coming from this coming from this point it is very important to gain some perspective for yourself that are you feeling this way because of a confidence issue internal confidence issue or something in your environment that is making you feel like that right so is it maybe your employer or maybe your friends family is there somebody in your environment who's making you feel like this is it external or internal and uh, since what we feel runs on a feedback uh, that perspective is very very important secondly um, you know i was i was reading this interview by a nasa scientist and she said that i've worked with nasa for 13 years and i i think um, i still feel that you know they hired me because i was a woman and they were supposed to have a woman on that on that group so you know when we have these guidelines that you're supposed to have this much female representation in the government or everywhere we kind of feel like you know do i deserve it or it's just you know you know just to meet that guideline or that put that tick on that legal paper so that that can that honest conversation we need to have with ourselves even when the environment is doubting us that do i am i honest with my work do i feel that what i am doing is um you know um honest genuine and if people are doubting me i need to do that self evaluation for myself it also helps to you know have a mentor who you can share these feelings with um you know somebody who can tell you that this is normal as well as irrational right and somebody who can tell you that uh, you know you are meant to be here and you are not whatever you're feeling is uh, as i said normal but it's, it's also irrational right so somebody to just validate um your work somebody who you can share this with and for me uh, you know asta has been that person in my journey <laughs> in become in becoming a, a 
psychologist because I remember sharing this with her that you know at a, at a very low phase in my life I shared this with her similar feelings with her and she said she just said one thing to me you know she said that Saroni you're always going to feel like this and that has stayed with me because it tells you that even if you've put in so many years of experience even after 10 20 30 years of being a psychologist you can feel like an imposter or in any field right and that is a sign that tells you that you know you've put in you've actually rationally you see it and you realize that oh you're actually good at what you do and you've put in so many years and still you feel like this there's something wrong about this feeling right so you do that self check for yourself and interestingly this reminds me of uh, uh the movie a beautiful mind where uh, john nash who is a very famous mathematician and nobel laureate and he's suffering from schizophrenia and he has this hallucination where he sees his uh, a person as his roommate and a small girl throughout his life right and he's not able to question that hallucination for the longest time he believes it's actually true but after 20 30 years he realizes that the little girl never grows up right so it has to be false right and same goes for our feeling of imposter syndrome also like after so many years after so many ach- achievements and accomplishments if that feeling is not going away it's actually false it's not true so so that that just struck me today when i was thinking about it that that's a very real comparison that we can make um you know to to kind of fight this feeling if i may and uh, something that i something that i've started doing personally also is keeping a check on my own language and tone because a lot of women they unwittingly uh, they will use certain language patterns or certain tone that makes them feel unsure of what they're saying so as arashi you were saying that in the beginning you mentioned that you know using a lot of i think or i feel even if i know it like somebody asks you what's what's the time you look at the watch and you say i think it's 10 am right when you're saying i think it's 10 am you're actually also using that tone of unsurety right and it gives you a feedback loop if you keep hearing yourself in that unsure tone you kind of feel unsure about yourself so being making a very conscious shift to more uh, confident speech being more assertive even when and that translates to your self talk as well so talking to others and how you speak to yourself that can be powerful yeah um uh, i i just wanted to like write everything down that you're saying it sounds makes so much sense and uh, i think we're going to come back to the mental thing a lot in shine theory as well uh but uh, you know also i in terms of self talk that makes so much sense and the, the the general rule that i've also found very useful is would you say what you are saying to yourself to your best friend i mean if you wouldn't then don't say it to yourself because you have to be your own best friend and rather instead of being like society's manifestations of their hatred of anything that's not mainstream uh what about you sneha what about aska what uh, what methods do you have so i completely agree with everything that soloni said the way you speak to yourself matters the most but i think also along with that the stuff that you consume right like look at media for example uh look at the page 3 gossip column right most of it it's pitting women against each other right so if you keep consuming that and if you keep indulging in that there are chances that it's going to sort of get seeped into your thinking also and then you might start you know thinking the same way in your actual life whether it's about you or it's about someone else so if we go back to the whole post pregnancy going back to work 
or you know an actress saying that i'm not sure how how to act even if she has been acting for so long these are examples right and see what happens is that there's a lot of social learning going on especially when there are kids that are consuming these kinds of things and unfortunately there is no filter right um kids come across these gossip channels and these these you know these articles and these magazines you know all of these things especially with social media it's just i think bombarded on them right and they keep seeing that and that's that somewhere i think it sticks you know at the back of your mind that um you're going to be put under scrutiny once you uh, come back to work after you have a kid or when you are even taking any major career decisions or any life decision for that matter that one thing is going to come like oh wait but i do want to have a kid so then once i do have a kid would i be able to do this would i be able to go back to work will i be able to continue pursuing a phd if i want to will i be able to you know start a new course whatever these kinds of questions they automatically come even if this might be a decade into the future right so, so do you suggest that we sort of follow like we kind of close our eyes like how how does that work how not do we tune close, ourselves to not close our eyes i think shift the focus to actual role models you know like i said the social learning that takes place let the social learning take place but just in a different way right like the the things that they are consuming could be different it could be an or a woman entrepreneur who you know she had a successful business she uh, has you know kids she made her career at the same time all of these things i mean of course not up to the extent where you you are sort of portraying the super woman syndrome not that but a more realistic way like this is okay you can do this you don't have to ask yourself a thousand times and then eventually probably reject your original idea right, right. so i think the media would play a really big role in that and i think that is something that's a narrative that we can change yeah i think instagram becomes a huge exactly uh, source so i mean like follow handles maybe that make you happy rather than Exactly. Like, like I actually unfollowed followed a lot of Bollywood actresses, and then I found myself not stressed out about well <laughs> how I looked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asta, what about you? What works for you in this space? I think uh, two, three things that work for me very uh, deeply. And thank you, Saroni, for remembering. Uh, I, I mean, I remember having these chats with you, and thank you for remembering this because I genuinely believe that we will feel like an imposter. um every now and then because self doubt is a very natural form of growth as well however when we are managing or trying to manage uh, self doubt and you know uh, the conflict that we might be having with our own selves it's important for us to distinguish between humility and fear am i fearing my uh, you know my uh, growth or my achievement or my abilities or am i fearing putting them out there am i questioning that's that's where again the inner dialogue the inner questioning comes in and versus am i just you know am, do i want to learn more like in saroni's case i know that she doubts herself because she wants to till the time she's not prepared and she's not you know 100% there she wouldn't she wouldn't feel satisfied that easily so that is so we need to distinguish between humility and fear that is one and be honest with ourselves that are we really fearful or are we uh, you know are we just trying to grow ourselves more and more and more and pushing ourselves more which is great uh, the other thing is 
it is very very important to let go of this idea of being this perfect person or this perfect woman or this or uh, you know miss uh, you know just just this idea of perfection has to be uh, you know shunned away because that is what constantly keeps pricking us and making us feel less than you know because there is this idea that we have we've been sold because of course we follow social media and you know what uh, sneha said about social learning uh, and uh, you know rashi i don't follow any celebrity on uh, like none the biggest celebrity i follow is uh, saloni right here so, so i don't follow any celebrities because i think there's so much to learn from the people that you have around you and it is a fact that i every other day you know when i open my instagram it's all the people i know or people i've met somewhere some you know sometime and there's so much to learn from that like from daily lives you know rather than uh, being uh, hooked on to this idea of who i'm supposed to be uh, you know or how i'm supposed to be so that's the other thing like just let go of this idea of perfection which will constantly make you question your own self and the third and the most important thing that i feel or i encourage people is to live life go out have new experiences see things and your you know your value for your own self will uh, will increase so it's essentially battling that fear right uh, and using self talk and you know uh, disassociating yourself from and being or rather being aware of the so, uh, the social learning that you are experiencing and then just going and living life yeah i'm i'm actually going to be the devil's advocate here asha and i'm going to ask you a follow up question which is but what about when i'm following friends or like extended networks of people and uh, they post pictures of the amazing things that they're doing and that they're living their lives and then i start comparing my my happy little life to whatever they have and their material belongings their physical looks you know i mean i think uh, sometimes more dangerous than celebrities is just knowing people who you keep comparing yourself with both physically and professionally what advice do you have for that so two things um one is that wanting or wanting to experience you know like i i constantly keep getting inspiration from people on my uh, social media for travel destinations right wanting to go there and doing and do things that people are doing is again you know you're just it's a form of growth it's a form of experiencing life that's a be the second thing what you said about you know doubting your own self because you know people who are who may be better uh, you know looking then you are that is when uh, you know that is when we need to surround ourselves with people who who support us and who help us recognize who we are right um, that is when we need to you know genuinely again it again will reinforce the idea of uh, you know being the perfectionist that you have to that this is the standard uh, you know standard level of beauty that you have to be fair skinned or you have to be thin and you have to be like this or that but uh, when you surround yourself with people uh, especially women who encourage you to be authentic and to be who you are it just reduces that uh, you know that strain that one may experience yeah yeah that's actually very true and um, i think when again that superwoman thing comes in right like you it's physically it's virtually impossible to like have everything that you have and have what they have i mean it's like yeah in theory it makes sense <laughs> very hard to implement in practice uh 
So actually, the next question is really just about this. And I'm glad that we've started the conversation already by talking about surrounding ourselves with women who make us feel um, better or more empowered. And that's kind of uh, how I got to hear about Shine Theory. And that's how, you know, first Neha and I talked about this and we were like, oh, my God, this is like blowing our minds. And then, you know, we were like, we need to have this with, uh, we have this conversation with, with women that we find empowering. Um, you know, and uh, so I would love if you could explain uh, to us what Shine Theory is and why is it so crucial to women? Yeah, so basically the entire premise of Shine Theory is I'll shine if you shine, right? Um, and I think I, I just love that statement because um, see, when we talk about women empowering women, right? Now, it's not just a hashtag which people unfortunately think but it's basically like for example if rashi you achieve something right and you excel at something i will be happy for you i won't have those feelings of jealousy or envy or i won't be like oh she doesn't deserve it i will be genuinely happy for you right and i will want you to better or you know achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve so basically i am supporting you i am your moral support right and the say it's a two-way street. So if I achieve something, you will also support me in the same manner. Like I'm happy for you. Go get, you know, whatever you want to get. That is basically the shine theory. That and the thing is, what the shine theory has proved is that if you do have a group of women that not only you look up to, right, but also you are supporting each other, you are helping each other, not necessarily you're leaving everything of yours behind and investing in them, not like that but you are helping them whenever they do need help, you feel good about yourself also, right? You feel good about yourself also, and then you start identifying with each other. Now, if you start identifying with someone that you admire, right, then you automatically are going to start seeing those traits that you admire in yourself also, right? It, it gets transferred. So basically, in this case, confidence especially is very, very contagious as compared to actually, you know, having that um, instrumental aggression that females usually show towards each other, like a mean girls sort of thing. Um, in that, nothing really happens. It just festers up more and more negativity. And what happens, why that happens also is because we've been sort of conditioned to think that there's not enough to go around, right? Like, for example, in a corporate system, we think that if one woman gets a promotion, the other is not going to. That is why we're so protective about it. We're so um, sort of aggressive towards each other regarding it. And if one person gets it, we're not happy for that person. But that's not the case. Now, for example, if one woman gets the promotion and her colleagues, her female colleagues are super supportive of her, there are chances that she will try, try to put things in play so that they get promotions also, that they exceed, you know, they, they excel in that uh, company or whatever. So it's basically paving the way for other women, right? So that is basically what the Shine Theory says, that support other women, you know, be happy for them. Create your own community. Don't go against your own community. That is what the Shine Theory says. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sneha. And like, uh, I, I realized actually we just jumped directly into talking about what uh, Shine Theory is without mentioning how prevalent and how how life not having shine theory in our life is actually the norm 
and how rampant this whole sense of competition and you know jealousy and and com- comparison all the time is whether it's in uh you know in school i think it starts right from school where you're in school and there's just a few uh positions to compete for and then you go into college and then there's boys and you know competition and this and that and this. yeah and then of course there's work where it is really like you don't know uh when the next opportunity will come and so you are kind of trying to and especially in today's world where there's all this pressure on networking and making sure that you're presenting yourself first and branding yourself and things like that where you do feel threatened by people who are doing the same thing and then you're just like oh god if they get ahead then i won't get ahead um i want to share one small incident before we go to the next question which is a quote that i read by um an actress in a really famous uh, tv show called brooklyn 99 um so stephanie beatrice uh, was she's a hispanic a woman of hispanic origin and she was talking about her audition for the role and uh, she had auditioned for a different role of like the lead female character and she noticed that there was another hispanic woman auditioning for the same role and that that person was probably going to get it and she went home and cried because she was happy for that woman but she knew that no american tv show would hire two hispanic women to be in the main cast so that means she probably wouldn't get it but the point is she did and of course they both amazing characters one of them is a person of color and uh, from the lgbtq community huge fan of the show but uh, but the point is that you know it's so amazing that even in a tv show which has unlimited resources to write whatever stories they want and this refers to uh, what sneha said about you know find the right content um is everything turns into a competition um, so yeah i mean i would love to know from saloni and asta also like why do you think uh, how how do you see this ma- uh, manifesting this thing we're talking about right women not uh be constantly being threatened by other women could you comment on that yeah yeah i think uh, the earlier conversation that uh, sneha had started also reminded me that uh, you know like how social media affects it and how we are we are so we're trying to bring other women down even through social media and so easy to do it there right and especially the celebrities uh, rashi that you unfollowed to feel better about yourself even they don't have a you know they don't have it all they don't have a better life either they get no criticism and i was also reading about when megan markel uh, delivered a child and everybody was like she is not holding her baby right and i was like this is ridiculous like let her be right and it's so i mean we don't uh, we don't really lose any moment to criticize a celebrity or somebody who we can see widely and even in our i have i am guilty of that honestly and i had to be very mindful and conscious about not doing it because it comes very uh naturally and once you start questioning it you realize where it is coming from so you know uh, my apartment overlooks a playground and i see children and parents every day and i find myself noticing and kind of forming judgments in my mind that you know this is not supposed to be this way or this is not like especially mothers i'm like i read about stuff like this and this is happening with me so where is it coming from where is this judgment coming from and it's tricky right you have to be like it has to be conscious and mindful and not on autopilot otherwise it will happen to the to all of us because it's almost contagious everybody is doing it as neha had said right we consume all of this material and then we automatically start thinking like that right and it was actually pointed out by a friend who said that you know 
do you think this is judgmental? And I'm like, yes, it is. And I need to correct that thought that just automatically struck me. And where is it coming from? And, uh, you know, when we talk about women against women, it just, it's not just on social media, but also if you translate it into a professional environment, uh, you know, careers especially dominated by men where fe females feel intimidated and they're, they're reluctant to, you know, voice ideas and thoughts. And I was reading this research that said that, you know, in a meeting or in a conversation, women are interrupted more than men, even by women, right? So it's easier to interrupt a woman in a conversation. So where is that coming from? Why do women also feel that it's okay to interrupt a woman and not a man? It, there has to be something that's um, you know, subconsciously conditioned in us and we need to be more mindful of that. So if we consciously become aware of this shine theory and we apply it in our lives more consciously and don't run on autopilot, we will realize that we will be able to say, for example, not interrupt women, right? It starts from there and give respect and probably build, build them up along with ourselves, right? So, and one more thing that I always believe in is that this is the social media era. We are always trying to impress people. So we can either impress people or have a relationship with them. It's either or. We cannot impress them and also have a relationship with them, right? So that that needs to be very mind. That has to come very mindfully and very consciously. Arthur, what what would you have to say about this? I mean, how do you think that uh, shine like? When have you seen Shine Theory really? Oh, has there been a situation where you're like, yeah, this this needs like less uh, competition or less jealousy and things like that? I think I my uh, I believe a lot in Shine Theory. I don't I didn't know it was called Shine Theory. Honestly, till time you told me that it's called Shine Theory. Uh, for me, it was just a way of being uh, because I want to promote not only uh, the woman who's sitting in front of me, but also a man, because I think every human being deserves to be, uh, you know, deserves growth and happiness and, you know, all of that, right? I think shine theory is collaboration versus competition. Um, do I want to collaborate with you and grow together? Or do I want to compete with you and, you know, just, just get stuck in that, uh, in that race for myself? So, uh, you know, when I, when I read up about shine theory and what it is, it, it, it seemed very natural personally uh, because I also believe that coming together to support one another is extremely important because it allows me to look into, you know, look into myself. It allows me to also, uh, you know, uh, put out a bit of me there, you know, like for example, if I'm mentoring someone who's younger than I am, then it puts a bit of my thought process forward. You know, it takes it, it carries it forward. It, it, you know, it, it helps form a legacy. I mean, not my legacy, but a legacy, uh, you know, forward. It, uh, and also when I help someone or when I support someone, I'm supported right back. So that's an ethos. But so a couple of, I'm just going to, you know, just backtrack a little bit to uh, what Saloni and Sneha were discussing and, uh, you know, talk about, uh, talk briefly about why is it that, why is it, is it so difficult? essentially why is it so difficult to help one another so i think two reasons for it one is that you know we live in a very good girl 
conditioning sort of way that uh, if you're a woman then you have to be like this and these are the characteristics that you should have and if you don't have it then you're basically not good so it gives us a very easy uh, you know uh, yardstick to judge another woman uh, you know that oh she's not holding a baby properly achhi maan nahi hai you know she's not uh, she doesn't dress up uh, you know she's not into power dressing uh, you know she doesn't look good so she she's probably not an effective manager things like this because we have we have decided that to to be all of this there is a there are a list of things that you have to fulfill so that's one and the other is that gender comes from a space of low self esteem a space of insecurity now the person who this is actually also going through a uh, feeling undervalued because if i'm looking at another person and it's triggering a sense of jealousy in me that means that feeling of being undervalued is already there it's already existing in me i'm not i know that i'm not appreciated i know that there is something that i know i'm unhappy which further adds to my resentment which further adds to my bitterness and you know hence increasing my need for validation and my need for approval which is what makes me feel jealous so when we you know when we want to talk about shine theory and how it can how it can uh, you know work for all of us i think we need to first go back and debunk this this whole idea of being a perfect woman a and b talk more in terms of building each others like building your own self esteem forget i mean you will help another person later first build your own self esteem no because only if you are feeling content i mean content is a big uh, big word and a far fetched state to be in but only when you are feeling slightly comfortable with who you are will you be able to push and promote another uh, person sitting in front of you and then the gender or the sex of that person wouldn't matter and that's when that is uh, that is utopia so i i, I like to you know think of uh, these things but uh, coming back to your question that shine theory yes it's collaboration uh, it is not competition it is not competing with being someone in your own head or competing with another person to you know uh, sort of outshine them it is about shining together because together when we shine we are brighter yeah i know i mean i love how you ended that i i think i wish people saw that as less of a cliche and more as prescriptive uh, it is actually and uh, i i i just want to add to this that you know uh, most of the time at, especially at work i think uh, based on my experience i've seen with the women that are the least collaborative and the most competitive are often like you said the ones that are most undervalued and they also view every other person woman as a threat uh, it could be a woman much younger than them or much older than them or even in a different department it doesn't have to actually uh, the threat is not based in like proof or or it could be but uh, there's probably more of like oh i must eliminate this person to eliminate the threat rather than maybe look at oh why do i feel threatened and how can i work on improving that because there's always going to be people um but yeah okay uh coming back to this idea of you know um how we've talked about how women can use shine theory and how actually it can help us fight this level of imposter syndrome but uh, if if you could talk a little bit more about how it can be used in the sense of how does one actually tell oneself how does one turn this into application um 
to actually fight these feelings of jealousy, inadequacy, um, fear. What would you have to say about that, Asta? And then, of course, Saloni and Seha. Build yourself up. Start with yourself. I am, see, as human beings, Rashi, we all like to feel in control. We all need to feel in control. We all want to feel safe. So we're doing all of this of competition and this and that. Why? Because I want to feel safe. So if I start investing on how, what are the things that are going to make me feel safe rather than keeping the focus on others and, you know, trying to sort of win, you know, win the race, so to say, that's when the change will actually start. You know, so it has to begin with yourself. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't, again, if, if we say that, oh, you know, these, these women who are jealous and all, they are like, oh my God, what's wrong with them? They're human, right? And clearly their, uh, their humanness is making them question and doubt their own selves, just like it makes us do it. Hamara thoda fancy word imposter hai, wo jealous hai, right? So, but the, the feelings are very similar and the re, and you know, the, it takes me back to the, the beginning of our discussion today that uh, it all begins with that need for approval or that need for being equal within an organization, which will make me feel more content with myself. And hence, I will be more willing, I'll be more happy, more collaborative, more open to experience my own life and share the same with others. Yeah, I think I think it's also very important to remember that more often than not, there's enough pie to go around for everyone. There are enough, you know, grad schools, jobs, um, people, <laughs> friends. Uh, friends don't probably. Um, I mean, I think someone had explained this on a TV show, uh, which is that if I uh, there was a new baby and then there was an older child and they were insecure. They said, it's not like I'm going to love you less because I'm going to love someone else as well. And I think that's true for, I think, I hope that's true for bosses as well. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, Saloni, Seha, what do you guys feel about this? Yeah, yeah. so, sorry, sorry Seha, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. No, no, please, go ahead. Okay, so basically, yeah, start from yourself. And um, when you do talk about yourself, identify your thoughts. Okay, identify your thoughts and where they're coming from, because there are lots of chances that you might be feeling insecure, or you might have some kind of a, a source of low self esteem or low con uh, self confidence from a completely different aspect of your life, right? It could be something from home, it could be something completely different, not work related, or what, wherever you are in that situation. And there are chances that it might be getting displaced, right? So being having that ability to catch that displacement is quite crucial. Because if you do if you're not able to catch that displacement, then what's going to happen, it's going to continue spreading to other aspects of your life also. And then there are chances that it will just become a personality pattern, right? Over the period of years, it could just become concrete, right? And then it will be much more difficult to sort of work on. So that's why catching that that thought exactly where that source is. That's, that's quite important, I feel. So I think when you do talk about yourself and you're working on yourself, then you need to work on the environment that you're in and how that affects you also. You need to take that into consideration and then see how that is, how you're reacting towards it, basically. So, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you 
said you brought up this point of catch it when it, when you're younger because or like when it's beginning because this is exactly like i don't know financial literacy uh physical fitness these are all habits that you should probably get in order when you're younger because it's not like when you're going to be older you're magically going to be more have more time for physical fitness or <laughs> saving your money uh and the same for the kind of language you use on yourself you're not going to be nicer to yourself if you have a bigger car or a bigger paycheck because you weren't nice to yourself when you didn't have that much um that's really really useful uh sloni what about you yeah first of all sneha i totally agree with that the point of displacement of insecurity maybe coming from somewhere from my past and i see somebody and it just gets triggered right and that's the point i need to kind of recognize it and bring it to my consciousness i also believe that um, you know the very question that what's in it for me needs to shift to what's in it for us so the larger meaning of being with um, you know being along with the community of women and not seeing myself as separate so an example would be that uh, i'm i'm currently helping a friend make a switch into the field of psychology and she wants to become a counselor and whenever she calls me or she has a she has a million questions and i'm always answering her questions and she says that you know it, it surprises me because i'm going to be a competitor in 2 3 years so why are you helping me out why are you guiding me so much and i'm like we need more counselors in this country so you know why not we let me train you so the you know i am not thinking about myself and, and she made me realize it because it came very naturally to me but she said you know people don't do that people don't help others in their own careers or in their own fields and i realize it's so important the larger meaning is that more people need help in this country more people need counselors so if i shift the meaning there i'm not just thinking about myself right and that that can apply to you know so many your own lives so many uh, different aspects of life okay so the last question is uh, both very very uh, closely related to everything we've spoken about and also just a little bit adjacent to it uh, which is yeah which is um you know the sort of uh, understanding that uh, women actually say a lot like i'm not like other girls mm. it's um, spoken about a lot in um movies and men always tell women it's like some crown that is given to them that oh you're not like other girls uh so i would love to you know know from you guys why do you think uh does it why does this sentence do more harm than good and how are some ways to actually move away from thinking like that as women yeah also ask them alone and of course then sneha oh yes okay so um basically what i think is that the whole um i think you're not like other girls is considered as a compliment by some people is because again let's go back to the gender stereotypes and then what is acceptable in society and what is like admired in society right so the um, stereotypical attributes or personality traits that are considered masculine in nature or male dominated in nature uh, assertiveness right confidence um outspoken all these kinds of things practical rational all these things are male dominated or masculine in nature so these attributes are celebrated right so i think that is why the whole i think i'm not like other girls 
um, you're, you're trying to compliment yourself or you're accepting it as a compliment because you don't want to be seen as meek or shy or docile or delicate, which are the feminine traits that um, are usually seen in a more negative light, right? So that's why I think that whole, that, that statement stems from there. And what you can do is that um, you can understand that they're all just personality traits. Forget the label of masculine and feminine for just a second, right? Why can't a male be shy? Why can't a female be assertive, right? Why are we giving them these kinds of uh, adjectives, masculine, feminine? They're just personality traits. We're all human, right? So I think if, if we start thinking about it in that manner, then this statement that I am not like other girls will automatically go on its own because it doesn't make sense, right? So that's, that's my uh, perspective on it. Yeah, and yeah. I think I would just like to quickly add to that, as Neha said, that, you know, um, culture and society has painted a picture of women, which is not something to aspire for, honestly. Women are seen as dramatic, indecisive, emotional, drama queens, codependent, etc., etc., so many labels. And when we personally as women don't identify with these stereotypes, we think that we are different. But at the same time, we also don't stop believing in those stereotypes constructed by others. We agree these women exist, but we are not like them, right? And so it has almost become cool to say that, you know, I'm not like other girls. But what we're really hinting at is that I am not that stereotype, right? We're trying to disengage ourselves with a societal view of women, agreeing that it, it does exist, exist, right? And so an idea like this, that we're not like other women, instead of bringing us together in fighting these labels and these stereotypes, it kind of divides us. We fail to see um, you know, the similarities. We fail, fail to see the common pool of challenges. We also fail to see a collective feminine strength that lies in all of us. And so seeking help, sharing, or asking for help becomes even more difficult because we are, we are seeing women in general as others and not similar to us. And that's, and that's dangerous to put it uh, in an extreme way, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually so true. And just the idea that you said that just because women are constantly uh, stereotyped like that, but if every woman is feeling that, no, no, I'm not like that, because they need to feel, they need to tell the world that, no, I'm more than just these stereotypes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean you have to bring. Yeah. So, Asta, what, what would you like to say about this? So I completely 100% agree with what Saloni just said. And, you know, I think women, not just in the Indian community, but otherwise also are evaluated on their achievements rather than their potentials, right? They're evaluated on what they, uh, you know, on, um, it's assumed that a woman is not good enough unless she proves that she is. So uh, this whole statement that I'm not like other women is trying to get that validation that, I am not like that. I'm better than, better than her. Which, like what Saloni said, is is actually what what the problem is. Which is why shine theory needs to be there. That uh, you know you are not. You the moment I say that I'm you know I'm not like other women, I have myself degraded my own uh, you know uh, feminine existence because I have acknowledged, approved, and sided with the uh, you know with the stereotype that women are less than uh, 
men i don't we don't hear men saying i'm not like other other boys as much right so it's it's about um it's about how we relate to our own uh, gender how we relate to our own it's a part of our identity and that's where you know that's why self esteem and confidence are so deeply uh, you know rooted uh, conflicts for us because our our existence is only a question no we're questioning that okay we're a woman so you know we're like we have to be like this if, if i'm not if i'm not fulfilling the good girl conditioning then there's something wrong with me but i don't i also don't want to be that uh, you know that chacha woman who's very like uh, who, who acts like a diva or who's very obnoxious so i want approval i want validation so the word is validation where we say all these things for validation for for acknowledgement but we further like saloni said we further increase the divide while while we do this i think i think what you just said about you know how men don't say that i'm not like other men uh needs to be put on a t-shirt or something because then it'll, people will realize that people don't uh put men in boxes of oh men are only this and men are only this uh, unless of course we're talking about not all men which is a whole other conversation uh but yeah uh yeah i think that makes so much sense um so i think we've had like we've covered so much and we've had like so many inputs on to how this is not only structural and systemic you know society has set certain uh view finders path, those pathfinders you know like on the horses where it's like oh you have to look at women only in this way blinders blinders yeah but it's also so internalized to the point where women may not even realize that um, oh i'm actually uh, being a part of that systemic oppression by reinforcing so many things both unto myself and to others uh thank you so much uh, all three of you astha sneha saloni i cannot thank you guys enough i was so excited uh, about doing this when we spoke about this a few weeks ago and this conversation has just been everything <laughs> um so yeah i hope you guys also feel that way um absolutely i think uh, we all have been so we all have been so excited and rightly so because uh, it's so important to uh, you know understand that we as psychologists also are not you know uh, guilt free uh with regards to all these things we all feel it and it's normal to feel it and a platform like this uh, encourages all of us to discuss something like this and you know um make it real right otherwise it just exists in our head and now it's actually a real conversation yeah yeah it's true i think i'm going to go and like virtually hug all my female friends after this <laughs> um yeah also just to uh, sorry before we end the session this will actually be turned into a podcast which i will then be sharing uh because it's a long conversation and it's a conversation that really is like incomplete uh, unless you hear all the parts so yeah i would be very happy to share that link as soon as possible and um also just can i just add one thing before we leave um i know that this was about women's mental health at large but uh, you know we at proactive keep talking about sexual health and one topic that kept coming up was sexual um feelings of in- inadequacy and you know lack of confidence and i feel like a lot of these um this conversation about shine theory also works uh, and and this imposter syndrome 
works both in your sexual health as well uh where you just one there's lack of information uh so you're not really talking to other women and the more you talk to other women about your uh you know problems and fears you actually realize hey this is actually not such a big deal and maybe i'm going to be okay and this is normal um and the other thing is also just um uh, feeling like you're enough i just actually i realized that when you guys were speaking i just wanted to add that one little thing um but yeah thank you thank you so much and i hope that everyone here also enjoy if anyone if any of you have any like uh, comments to end with i'd be happy to I'd love to hear from you i'm just uh, happy thank- we did this sorry Yeah, Sneha, go ahead. No, no, you were saying you were saying. I was just. I resonate really with your thought. I resonate <laughs> with your thought deeply. We're so happy that we did this, and I think I would be extremely happy when we don't need to do this. When we don't yes. need to talk about women empowerment, and it is a, it is as normal and as accepted and as mundane a thing as men's empowerment. So uh, that's that's what we should aim at. That we don't, we shouldn't have. I I feel very sad when I come and. talk about women empowerment concerns and issues and you know like women are lacking we are not lacking i agree i agree and just a quick reminder that women are not born feeling less than and they are not born with low self esteem no confidence it's a myth and only you can bust that myth for yourself absolutely right absolutely you can see so many much. so many okay, quotes no, that can go on t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> i hope you are making notes ashi we don't realize we just i think we all are in a state of flow we just keep saying things and that's why i enjoy these sessions because we don't think about these things otherwise like why in a session like this we say things and we surprise ourselves also that we have said it so that's yeah. why keep keep noting it down absolutely i actually i'm so sorry i forgot that we had an end of session activity um uh, so the the um, i'm i'm just going to share this poll for anyone who's like for the people that are still here i would like to know what how high your self confidence is right now like at at this high at the end of the um session would love to know <laughs> has something changed have has it changed the way you want to look at um the way you look at yourself and you know the people around you and um yeah i'm just going to wait for like a minute i think you guys can also poll right yeah yeah we can see it we can do it great Okay, I'm gonna share the uh, poll. So just a second, and share results. Okay, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Mostly it was at like six and seven earlier, but I'm happy to see that there are some nines. We've got some nines. So yeah. That's awesome. great thank you everyone uh, the session is now complete you have a great weekend and i had also shared um, the link to our next session kind of like this which will happen in two weeks 
um, which would be about PCOS and we're really hashing out all the details. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. Also shared uh, Reboot Wellness and the Psychology Nooks uh, website links. Please follow them. You will find their Instagram handles uh, on it on, on their websites as well. Uh, you can book telemedicine sessions from both um, Reboot Wellness and Proactive uh, for whether you're looking for mental health professionals or doctors and things like that. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't know uh, what better endorsement you could have for Asta and Saloni uh, apart from this uh, conversation. So yeah. Um, so thank you everyone. And uh, to the three of you, if you don't mind, uh, we'd love to just sort of uh, chill and exhale for like um, five minutes, but we'll uh, switch off our videos for like five uh, minutes so that the room can clear out and people can copy the links they need to. And then we can just come back with our videos on chat. Okay, thank you everyone, bye-bye. No, someone has asked if this will be available in Hindi. We actually do some sessions in Hindi and that's a great suggestion. So maybe next time we will um, have this conversation uh, in Hindi. And uh, yeah, I hope that um, we can do that soon. So thank you for that suggestion.